0: Hello and welcome to Bosca Presents, presented by Mammoth Sports Construction and CEI Engineering. My name is John Hartwell and I am the designer behind Hartwell Studio Works, a sports branding shop serving the small college athletics market. Bosca Presents is a monthly series of live webinar conversations featuring athletics leaders discussing topics of importance for the small college athletics community. Our topic today is strategic approaches to adding sports with a panel of three athletic directors from around small college athletics, Ryan Irwin from East Texas Baptist University, Francis Reedy from St. Leo University, and Aaron Saygraves from Cornerstone University. Because of a technical difficulty, this video is joining the presentation in progress as our guests answer a question about the specific factors they take into consideration when contemplating whether or not to add a sport.
1: start That program, but we also talked about women's wrestling. Well, there's no girls wrestling in Michigan and, and in certain states that are surrounding us. So the opportunity to recruit students to come to campus wasn't very high, but men's wrestling, it was really high just because of the factor of Michigan high school wrestling is one of the hottest sports in all the country. And so we have an opportunity to recruit that sport at a really high level. So those are the two of the biggest ones. But again, it also, it always goes back to us on our campus. How do we want to further the vision and purpose and ultimately the mission of our school? And if you're going to start something, you need to have it go into that vision and purpose. And so we look at we have six statements that we made in, in an athletic department on our campus that we want to hold by. If we put up new program, we want to make sure they uphold that vision and purpose for our athletic department.
2: Ryan, how about you? What
3: specific factors help you evaluate? Um, One thing that we always start with is facilities. I think kind of Aaron hinted at that. But, um, you know, with with two gyms that we currently have, a a competition gym and a practice gym, um, there's other sports that we've considered, like wrestling, um, but, you know, we already maxed out on on gym usage. And so getting creative with um, all of our teams that use those facilities as well as kinesiology, and then you throw in intramurals, uh, the gym space becomes an issue. And so, sometimes we have to get creative, Um, you know, like our track and field team are are using a local high school track uh, for that. We're more of a distance program anyway, so it's not a huge factor, but facilities is something we always look at. And I would say, kind of agree with Aaron, originally recruiting, can we recruit that type of student, that sport to our area? Um, But we've kind of thrown ourselves a curveball in the last couple of years. We added ice hockey in East Texas. Um, And so we partnered over in Shreveport, Louisiana, about 30 minutes away with a hockey rink. Um, And so, you know, this past fall we had 36 hockey players, uh, 10 from Canada, one from Sweden, one from Hong Kong. Uh, And so just really kind of widened our our net there. And and the hockey world is is pretty tight-knit, so it's spread pretty fast that we had an ice hockey team in in East Texas. And, um, you know, we're we're turning players away and and competing at a high level. And so that's really helped – um, and just being different. I mean, there's not many teams in the state of Texas that have ice hockey. Um, now, it is considered club, but all of our club sports participate are, are under the umbrella of athletics. Uh, we treat them just like our NCAA student-athletes with study hall, with eligibility requirements, uh, with drug testing. And so um, that's really played a big part for us is that just kind of getting it out there and, and doing it right and having the support from the university is huge, from a facility uh, to an operating budget to coaching staff and, and salaries. Fran, how about you?
4: Uh, even though St. Leo is in Florida, <clears throat> excuse me, we, uh, we've we always recruited the Northeast. And so lacrosse, which was our one of our more recent, I guess, 10 years ago, if you want to call that recent, but um, we really felt like um, from a business standpoint, from a market standpoint, uh, we would be first. We would get into the market first. We'd get ahead of everybody else. We felt that the sport was definitely headed to Florida. Um, and so we started it and we did. We, we won right out of the gate. We waited on the women's side uh, and two of our competitors, Rollins and Florida Southern started it and we haven't been able to catch them uh, you know, ever since they did that. But it was really a Northeast sport. Would they come to Florida and play it? Florida was just starting lacrosse um, but there is no shortage um, of student athletes that wanna come and uh, play lacrosse uh, in the state of Florida. I, I certainly agree with with Ryan on the facility part. We added acrobatics and tumbling. So the other thing you have to figure out is, um, so good for acrobatics and tumbling in that it's not uh, offered in a lot of places. So again, lots of lots of young women are looking for a place uh, to do this sport, uh, but we really miscalculated on the facility piece, and it's really been a struggle. For I'm I'm gonna get out of it now that we're opening up a new wellness center, um, and so I'll be able to relocate them uh, at least in the mornings. But I uh, didn't do enough homework on what what that facility challenge uh, was going to look at. So I'm I'm telling everybody here. Um, sometimes you you know after the fact you're like oh, I, you know I've I've I didn't do enough work here. So uh, but again it's a it's a sport where instantly 30 30 young women. Um, in the first year, ready to come to our school uh, and compete in acrobatics and tumbling. And then the last one we added recently was uh, beach volleyball, a natural for Florida. We had a perfect uh, piece of property for it. We built five courts. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, And again, it's more of a Florida sport, gets us to compete against division one schools as well as division two schools. So again, um, that one we felt we could recruit to, give an opportunity to uh, and yet travel-wise, we could stay in the state of Florida. Uh, not a huge budget uh, for beach volleyball. That's excellent. Uh, I, you know, for me, often I just
2: started with uh, participation numbers. How many, how many high school kids are playing this sport within our region? Uh, and then, as you all mentioned, factors like facility availability and, and various other things came into play. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about um, revenue from new sports. How big of a factor is the anticipated tuition and fee revenue uh, to your making a decision about a sport? And and does that anticipated revenue also impact what your operating budget for the program is going to be? And Ryan, I'll let you start on that one.
3: Yes, sir, Uh, that's pretty much the number one factor for us when we're looking at sports, is it it profitable? And and not that we're trying to make, you know, balance the budget on it or or make from a university standpoint. I'm sure our our CFO is looking at that. But anytime I present a a budget of looking at sport addition or even sport expansion, uh, we're working on budgets currently right now for next year and um, met with our baseball coaches about starting a, we call it developmental team, but basically a JV program. Um, and so, meeting when meeting with the, the CFO, that was his biggest question is okay, what's the anticipated roster size? Um, and what's the budget going to cost to add this program? And, and that includes uh, not just within baseball for uniforms and transportation and, and equipment, but also uh, support staff, coaches. Are we going to add another coach or give a coach a raise or a bump to, to cover the take this new responsibility on, um, but other areas and uh, throughout campus? And so, um, it's definitely. One of our, our biggest uh, factors when we're looking at it and, and evaluating um, whatnot. Now, when we're looking at sometimes, I think uh, Fran mentioned early on, looking at a title nine perspective. Um, sometimes we, you know, will add a women's sport because we have we do have football. So the 150 football players, we've got to add several women's sports to uh, to kind of balance that out. And so in those situations, we're not so worried about uh, dollars. It's more of of numbers to to get that back into. Uh, compliance with with Title IX, and so the revenue is a, is an area. Uh, like I said, we've been our enrollment's gone up twenty five percent in about just over five years, and so um, our university admission staff and other folks on campus want to see that trajectory continue to go up and, and get over the two thousand to twenty five hundred total students um, here here on campus, and so that is definitely a a large factor in what we do. Without and without athletic scholarships, it's actually easier being Division Three. Um, we're not having to factor in scholarships like we were at, when I was at Dallas Baptist or, or Roger State, both Division II schools. Fran, how about you? How important
4: is the the revenue impact of a new sport? Uh, it's it's really important. And I think the thing, you know, I know this group is looking for, what have we, what have we learned? So as Ryan said, it's pretty simple. The, the calculations are pretty straightforward, right? We're going to have 30 athletes. They're going to generate uh, this much uh, tuition. Um, our school doesn't like to count the fees, but we know they they do make a lot of money off of the fees. Um, but the bean counters don't necessarily want to want to let you count that when you're trying to do that calculation. And then you have your expenses, as Ryan said, you have your salaries, um, your operating expenses, your benefits. Um, those you know those things are are really really important. I think the thing that you have to guard against is you try to sell this, or if you are asked to add a sport is you do need to educate your admissions people which you probably already do but you know right uh, rosters are finite numbers and sometimes they think you can just add another three another four uh people onto those rosters um, and just think that this is going to continue to grow and so you, you have to make sure that they know that at some point and, and especially early on you might you might add 20 people in year number one and but at some point, it's gonna it's gonna stop growing, or you just can't sustain it, um, or they're not gonna give you more money to do it, which means you're trying to dress or travel, you know, more people with the same amount of money. So, again, things that we learned was you know the admissions office just sees, you know, a headcount go up, but we're trying to win or we're trying to make sure that there's a quality experience uh, for the student athlete, and we know if those rosters get too big and people don't travel, uh, people don't get to play, then you have a retention issue. And, you know, that's never a good thing. So, you know, all I would say is, you know, you need to go into it, you know, your eyes wide open, but more importantly, you have to, the other people that are involved in this process around campus need to understand that at some point, you know, your roster is full um, and you're going to put up a stop sign. um, And and they're not necessarily going to like that, but, Um, it'll save you a lot if you do it on the front end uh, and and make sure they have a clear picture of what this is going to look like in four years um, and maybe not what it looks like in year number one. Aaron, how about you?
1: Yeah, that's, I don't know if I have anything to add to what those two guys that said, that's they kind of captured all of that. I think the way that Fran left it right there is, is key as I've got the last two years, we started men's volleyball in men's wrestling and I've been able to be a part of the direct meetings with our accounting our admissions and my administration to help put together these budgets as they go forward and he hit on it there because they think that the number of it is going to be continually increase in roster size when that's just not the reality and so we've been able at Cornerstone to build out a one three and five year projection of that roster and really take our time in I'm not being asked to say, hey, you have to add 25 new men's wrestlers next fall. Uh, That's not what we're going to do. We're going to add slow in year one, in year two, year three, and get to a certain point. And now we've actually twisted it. I'm actually meeting with uh, our accounting people last week, this week, and next week to go over, all right, let's do this for every sport. So we we have 20 sports, including men's wrestling now starting next year. And I've actually, we're gonna gonna start a men's basketball program. We're gonna start a men's soccer program or women's softball program and kind of build it from scratch and see what we can do strategically going forward as we look to expand more rosters. Is there opportunity to grow in size? Is there opportunity to decrease in size and really provide a better student athlete experience? And so that's been really, I've been really thankful for our administration to be able to look at it from that direction because of the way we've done these last two programs. And friend, you hit it out there, and it's been, I've been so thankful for that. So we will continue to look at that. And yes, there's definitely the formula that you all come up with of how this is gonna add money to the bottom line or add money to your department. Where does that money go? That's when I've been looking at, can we get some of that money back to expand facilities, to expand opportunities for our student athletes?
2: That's great. I, I Fran, I think, made a great point in terms of there is a limit. Uh, adding five more players at, can add a significant expense, uh, whether it's uniforms or travel expense or or uh, equipment. Um, and so, it's important to understand that there are some limits. And you know, not to mention the experience that the students have. If you really build a massive roster the likelihood that you're going to retain them is is very challenging um okay so we we touched a little earlier i think aaron used the term essential needs so when you're adding sports talk about the impact that that has on other areas uh, particularly administrative areas so sports information athletic training compliance um you know what impact does that have and and what recommendations do you have on how people should plan for the increased uh, workload in those areas? and And uh, Fran, I'll
4: ask you to start on this one. Yeah, so it goes back to that calculation that you're trying to make from the beginning to say, not only is it going to you know I need this operating budget and I need this this travel budget and I need this staffing uh, for the for the coaches, but how is it going to impact the, the rest of the department? For those of us in the NCAA, we had the Arrington case, uh, which meant you know we now have to have athletic trainers at certain practices. There's no, hey, we'd like them to be you know riding around on a golf cart. No, they, they have to be there. And so again, it's making sure that you know you educate um, the, the lawyer on your campus um, to make sure that you don't leave yourself uh, exposed from a risk management standpoint, but we were, we were fortunate. The other thing I, you know, admissions wants heads and beds, but you know, we want to graduate student athletes. We want them to have a great experience. And so if they don't get, you know, the proper athletic, uh, the sports medicine, if the sports information doesn't do a great job with their bios and, you know, streaming games and all of the other pieces that make them stay, you're replacing them all the time you know they're they're bringing you know 500 in the front door and 300 going out the back door um it, it just doesn't work that way so these other these other you know pieces of the department as you add more customers there's no other there's no i know they don't like it in higher ed when we use those words but they're customers and are we keeping our customers happy are we keeping them healthy um are we providing you know, a great experience so that they stay and hopefully become donors um, and, and supporters of the university when they graduate. So again, it's a matter of, of making people understand you just can't continue to add bodies without adding uh, staff, whether it's, you know, administrators at games or at least money to, you know, higher security, uh, whatever it takes. But uh, again, it's an education process Um, that that we have to, you have to do as the, you know, as the lead person to make them understand that uh, you just can't have these games and do it all on your current staff. Um, If they build a new resident hall, they put RAs in it and they put another resident hall director in there. Well, if you build another, if you have two more teams, guess what? You need another resident director um, and you need some people in the hall. So you, you have to put it in terms that they understand uh, which is if we, if you add people to the equation, you're going to have to add staff to the equation to make it successful. Aaron, what would you add to that?
1: Yeah, well, well, me as a former sports information director uh, definitely understand the needs for this, uh, especially in my previous role as an assistant AD for communications, uh, going from six sports to thirty-four sports, um, and we gained one additional person in, in those. Seven and a half years, which I was thankful for uh, because you can only be in one spot at one time. So, um, each sport that we've added since I've been here, that has been, if not number one, really close to number one as a priority sports information and athletic training, as well as facilities. I think that's the other one because, as even as you uh, we learned that you know, as you start new sports, you may need new facilities. Who's going to run that facility? Who's going to take care of that facility? Um, You're going to rent out that facility when your teams aren't using it for rental opportunities and revenue. Um, So I think those are the three biggest areas, sports information, training, and facility management. And we've been really fortunate to, we've added um, now two graduate assistants in those areas over the last two years, um, now three years. And that has been a huge help to us because as you all know, graduate assistants, they just want to work. They just want to get some experience. They just want to help out wherever they're needed. Um, but now we're also looking at how addition of sports affects the overall campus structure, kind of like what Fran said with the, with the dorms. When they build a new dorm, you're going to need that extra space. Well, if you add, if you had a football team, for example, that's 120, 150. I've, I've heard upwards of 200 people for a football roster. And that's going to add in students in a classroom. So is it more faculty? Is it more programming? Is it uh, more dining common space? There's so many different things that factor into it with the number uh, that you look at for a specific athletic program. When you start a golf team or a, a tennis team, yeah, that number is definitely not gonna be nearly as high, but we're looking at men's wrestling of having you know 30 to 40 young men here on our campus over the next few years. That's gonna not only add to our department, but it's gonna add to the rest of college campus. So those factors have to weigh into it. My priority, just in athletics, has to be those athletic training sports information and facilities
2: okay and ryan what
3: would you add to this conversation well very similar to both these guys but um you know compliance plays a factor too uh when we got to each of you there were just over 250 athletes now we have over 600 uh so that first part of the year our compliance staff uh you know is really bogged down and so trying to have support for for them to be able to get through that and then when we really look at adding sports, another consideration that we look at is what's what semester, what season do they compete in? Um, because then is that going to further stretch our SID staff, our athletic training staff? And so, um, you know, golf is is somewhat easy. That we had, they, we did not have that at UTB before I got here. Like you said, a small number, uh, kind of take care of themselves with athletic training and and uh, sports information. To you know, the Monday Tuesday tournaments, which are usually slower time. So uh, that was a consideration for us as well as when they'll be competing, when they'll be practicing, um, and do we have coverage, especially with the ATs and, and sports information. And then outside athletics, I know I can probably say, being, being honest, um, wasn't really a concern of mine previously, uh, but now that I've uh, taken over some new responsibilities here on campus as vice president for student engagement and athletics, which includes housing, Uh, it's really real to me now. Now I see what they were complaining about. And uh, I hear it firsthand each day. And so knowing that when we add, you know, 300 athletes in the course of three and a half years that, um, and we haven't expanded the the resident directors. So we've added RAs, but not resident directors. And, um, you know, not a huge increase in faculty, but our classrooms are getting more full. Our less full now with, with COVID and 50%. So, um, but adding the zoom in, into that as well. And so um, it's really been a kind of opening experience for me, you know, kind of getting out of my silo in athletics to see there is a, a huge impact across the campus um, when we have enrollment growth, uh, which is good. uh, But then getting the, the, the others on campus to see that there needs to be expansion in other areas as well, mainly in staffing.
2: Well, I isn't that interesting that Fran used the the housing analogy and he wouldn't have to do that with you because uh you're in charge of that as well as athletics. Um I will say in my case a primary thing that we got out of the expansion of athletics was a full-time compliance person. Um and and it and the way that it happened really was not the athletic director asking for it because as we all know just when athletics asks, we rarely get anything. But the way it happened was our registrar pretty much demanded it and said, "We we've got to have somebody." So, I think that's great stuff. Um, I wanna I wanna switch gears here a little bit, um, and I wanna talk about a coach. You know, the the coach that you have on campus for any sport is critical. You know, we're only as good as the people that we surround ourselves with, but. In particular, when you're starting a new sport, there's some pressure um, to find the right person. So let's talk a little bit about the coaching search process for a new sport and the keys that you all have have found and considered uh, in finding a new coach. And Aaron, we'll let you start with that one.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. I, I, we just named our new wrestling coach, so that was uh, this is pretty pretty fresh in my mind. I, I'll be honest, we've added two new coaches and an, an assistant AD in the last two months, so I'm interviewed out at this point. I don't know if I can do any more uh, anytime soon, uh, but really the first step for me when I when I either have an opportunity to hire a new coach or even starting a new program is what are my connections uh, in the athletic world? And just thankful for people that are on this call. Uh, I reached out to a lot of you guys that are on this call. I was like, Hey, we're starting this program. Where did you start? Is it somebody in your state? Is there something you recommend? Is there, you know, is there just that little bit of a network? And so I think the um, the opportunity that we have to build relationships in this regard is a huge help. Uh, then I've got a great relationship with the, with the high school ADs in the grand Rapids area in the Michigan state of Michigan, uh, that I reach out to them too, uh, and just to see what the opportunity might be there um, to to expand that coaching search. And obviously, when you post a job, you're going to get plenty of interview or plenty of resumes through email, whether it's you know just email or on the actual job application. Certain sports are different. I feel like when you do a basketball search, you get about 400 emails. When you do another search, you get everybody that applies online, right? Um, so it's a little bit different in that regard. But Ultimately, for me, it's about the building of relationship. How can I use the relationships that I've got with other administrators, with either high school, college, um, club directors, things like that. I want to build as big of a pool as I can to start with. And then again, Cornerstone is unique. You know, our 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 college wants to, is a Christ-centered university that we want that to be a main aspect when we hire a coach. So there's a lot of coaches that are just eliminated from that regard, from the application standpoint. Um, and that usually narrows our, our our window down in a big way. So, well, the biggest thing for me is relationships. How do we build those with those candidates and get to know them on a personal level, more importantly than the X's and O's level. And as I did, I did the men's wrestling search, I was skeptical at first. I didn't really know a whole lot about the sport of wrestling, to be honest, but I was blown away by the candidates that we got um, only not only from within Michigan, but outside of Michigan and from the East Coast, and we hired ours from the state of Virginia. And, and so I just was so thankful for that opportunity that we had to get to know so many different individuals.
2: Okay, Ryan, I'm going to ask you to, to answer the same question, but I'm going to add one twist, which is, uh, and Fran, I want you to consider this as well. Do you give any consideration to, to, a, to hiring a coach who has started another program? So, Ryan, will you add to this uh, conversation about coaches?
3: Yeah, I think for for adding sports, once you've, you know, made the – got the decision, got the approval um, from the administration, you know, it's kind of on you as an athlete director, as an administrator, uh, that you – your idea or your your thought process and your plan to adding sports. The next most important decision is the coach because they've got to then go, especially if you're adding for an enrollment reason, Um You've, they've got to go find the student athletes. Now, of course, down the road you want them to be competitive and and win. I would assume, uh, but early on they've got to be able to fill a team and usually a short amount of time and not an ideal time frame. Um, so I think that that's huge. Is someone that you uh, have full confidence in that's going to just take uh, the ball and go with it and not have you you know micromanage or continue to push them. Someone that's going to go fill a roster in a year. And maybe that's a roster full of freshmen. Uh, Maybe that's a roster of, you know, a mix of that. But I I think that's usually, for me, the most pressure. uh, When I can get it approved, I can show the uh, financial impact of the university and the enrollment growth, uh, but then finding someone to go do it. And, uh, you know, I've done – hired some that did a really good job and made me look great, and others that I had to really push them. And I was doing way more recruiting than I wanted to for a sport I had really no knowledge of. Um, and so having that is there. And, and really getting them into grain in the process, because if they've had experience coaching before – or uh, coaching for sure, but um, adding a sport, that's definitely a plus. Uh, many times when we add new sports, we don't get many people that want to – come do it over again maybe uh <laughs> for a variety of reasons that is but uh, they've already done it once they built it but i think i've talked to those people that have added it and kind of told them that you know they've given us the horror stories of what they would do differently and i think that's a uh, good information to have when you have a new a new staff member coming in especially with the, the new sport
4: okay
2: and fran how about
3: you
4: well, listen, doing coaching searches in Florida is never a challenge, uh, except you have to figure out who's trying to retire um, and, and who really wants to coach. So, uh, and I'm going to make Ryan mad here, but, but typically when, uh, when we've started programs, uh, we've gone after successful Division three coaches uh, who are five to six to seven years in, who have already proven uh, that they can build, right? Whenever I hire a coach I asked myself, can this person do what it is that I'm asking them to do? They have a proven track record of doing exactly what I'm hiring them to do. So I, early in my career, I hired division one people uh, who had never been a head coach and I got burned every time. Uh, So I am much more comfortable uh, hiring D2 head coaches, D3 head coaches um, who have already done what I'm asking them to do, but uh, in ours, it's, it's typically somebody, and I like the D3, only because they haven't had scholarship money. And typically, when we add a sport, we add the scholarship money as we go. We don't, we don't drop a, a wheelbarrow full of money in their lap. Um, it's, it's staggered so that uh, they will learn how to manage it, and they'll know that they're going to have some new money uh, coming in each year as they build this thing, and they don't, um, they don't use it all at once. But I I tend to look for people who have already done what it is that I want them to do. So if someone has built a program, not necessarily started a program, but if they've built a program, if they took over a bad program and made it better, uh, but it's going to take some time. They have to know that I'm not expecting uh, instant success, that this is going to be a process, that they're willing to, you know, dig in and take a few years and know that I'm willing to be patient uh, with them and I'm not expecting Uh, instant results Um, but that's how we've done it again some sports are more of a challenge so acrobatic and tumbling guess what there's no coaches out there you're you're probably getting somebody who graduated you know from college two years ago three years ago Uh, there's a very limited pool so that's a lot different than if I'm adding the sport of lacrosse or uh, you know a a more established uh, kind of sport so sometimes you you know you have to go that route. I have a volleyball opening now. We went to the Elite Eight two years ago. That's a completely different search and what I'm looking for than someone to start up a program. Um, again, I'm looking for a builder, high energy, uh, a person that's gonna, that's a seller, that's gonna be able to go out and, and really sell themselves. Uh, so I, I don't want a you know a 25-year veteran who's used to his assistants doing that. Um, I, I need the person that's going to be front and center. Um, it's going to be the, you know, the program, uh, the brand, um, and that's what I try to do when we when we start a new sport. That's great. You know, I think I would also add
2: one of the things I tell when we're, when we've added a sport is that they still have to be very thoughtful about who they recruit. Uh, sometimes there's this pressure to I've got to have 25, I've got to have 35, and you take chances or you allow some people onto your team that eventually end up burning you because because you weren't thoughtful and you didn't really, you weren't contemplating the character of the individual so much as you were just trying to hit a number. Um, Okay, well, we've got about 12 or 15 minutes left and we already have several questions. So what we're gonna do now is uh, to make sure this is worthwhile for the people who are participating is we're gonna switch over to the questions that we've uh, received. And John Hartwell, I think you have one to begin with.
0: I do. Uh, so the question here is as institutions transition for an online delivery, how much was adding a sport, a driver to enhance the on-campus life and engagement? did it help your on-campus non-athletic enrollment grow? And I'll throw that out to whoever wants to take it first.
1: I'm sorry, Aaron. Aaron, you want to try that? Yeah. I mean, our, our on-campus experience, that's what we sell actually at Cornerstone because um, the schools that are around us are a lot of them are going online and obviously the kids are choosing not to live on campus and to save some money Uh, That way, which is very understandable. Um, So, but we are still going to sell our on-campus experience. And we've had a lot of discussions about how do we do that? Sports gives us that opportunity or the athletic programs give us that opportunity to be on ground because of the demand of practices and schedules and things like that. Plus the opportunity to grow in relationship with the coaching staff and just that mentor mentee relationship that we, we so, um, strongly are big advocates for and I can't say I've really seen too much data on this yet uh, per the question but it's definitely something that's come up of like how can we add to the on-campus experience we talk about that community experience the the opportunity to support each other the brother-sister team that we have on campus as well and so I think that's a that's something that you have to continually think about as, as students that are coming into college right now are really thinking of how to not cut corners, but how to save money? How to how to make sure they they budget wisely? And the, one of the biggest ones we hear from them is is the opportunity to live at home while still attending college. Um, and, as, and now with the with the online that we're learning over the last eleven months with COVID, um, it's even it's even bigger.
2: Okay, um, I've got a question here from my buddy Scott Noble out in New Mexico, and and Scott's question. I think is an interesting one. He asked what percentage of the tuition dollars goes back to athletics? Um, So I'm gonna answer in my world and then uh, Ryan or Fran, I'm gonna maybe ask you to respond. Scott, the way we've done it is when we're contemplating a new sport, we do some financial models that will show us what the expected revenue ought to be. And out of that model, we're gonna create uh, a budget so the part that comes back to athletics is uh, the budget that is a piece of the total revenue um, that we expect from the program. So all the, all the tuition goes to the university and we're allotted a budget that we've worked together on and that's how we do it uh, on my campus. Ryan or Fran, uh, do
3: you all, have you all had a different approach with where the tuition dollars go, Ryan? Uh, at each and, and DBU, is very similar to that we all the money went to the university um, and we had the, the allotted budget. Now at RSU we had the student fees built in. Uh, so the student fees were uh, what funded athletics and if there was a deficit there we either fundraised or um, you know had other avenues to work with the administration. but um, currently and what we've been able to see with the addition the of most of our sports is all that all those funds do go to the university.
4: And would you add anything? No. Again, as a private, it's it's uh, same as same as you, Jim. It's it's not as defined as student fees or anything like that. It's as we do zero-based budgeting as far as operations goes. Um, it change those those budgets change every year. Um, so it's I I wish it was. I'm a, I'm a numbers person. So so the way they do things is not very comfortable for somebody like me. I would like to have a much more uh, data-driven uh conversation um but uh that's not how we do it here so um it is it is kind of at the mercy of the university um when it when it's all said and done which i uh i would avoid if you can on your campuses i would whether it's a student fees or uh some other percentage um i I know i'm not getting a, a, a good deal the way that we do it I'm going to be honest and tell you we've had we've had
2: better luck getting appropriate budgets for new sports than we have for providing the budgets for our sports that have been here for a while. Uh, John Hartwell you have another question?
0: Yes so this is going to be from Corey Bray Uh, for those who added a club sport how did you conduct the search for the head coach compared to how you normally conduct a search for the head coach of an NCAA sport? Uh, He's specifically interested in how to cultivate a good candidate pool.
2: Okay, Ryan, you mentioned club hockey. Why don't you take a first stab at that one?
3: Well, with with hockey, we had a a relationship with the the Shreveport Mudbugs, which is a junior uh, level team there in Shreveport. Um, And one of their former players had – uh, volunteered with the team for a few years, uh, not our team, but the, the Shreveport team, and um, it just kind of fell in our lap, honestly. When we announced that we were going to start the process or met with the Mudbugs, he had, he came out and was a fit for the university. Um, you know, I think Aaron talked about earlier, finding the, someone that understands the culture of the university, and it was someone that had knew about the university and and lived in the area so that that just was by chance Uh, we lucked out and and had that uh with our other like bass fishing we added that a few years ago uh we had a a a university employee that had actually fished on the collegiate circuit um and so we you know added to his current job responsibilities to take that over and so um but some of the others we've had you know we've actually done searches for uh because even though they're club uh, they're full-time employees of the university. Now they may do something else on, on campus to come up with their their job responsibilities or uh, to make it a full-time position, um, but they are, um, you know, full-time employees. And so we've been able to do a search and find someone we felt like would be a fit um, and would be able to to start that program. Jim, you're on mute.
4: Uh,
2: Fran or Aaron, anything to add on
4: that? Um, I I would add only uh, great that that Ryan has the full time position for the for the club coach. I would, uh, in my particular situation, I draw a circle of thirty five miles from campus because um, it would be a part time role. And the only other thing I would tell you is if you do that, um, and then you have aspirations. So we we when we did lacrosse, we took it from club. To um, a varsity sport, and when the club coach didn't get the job um, as the as the full time, you know, NCAA Division II coach, there were there were some hard feelings there. So uh, be careful if the club sport is going to remain club. But I would just say, um, if this person has aspirations of it becoming a varsity sport, uh, make sure you have conversations early on as to what you know that might look like. Um, if they're just, you know, the person that's local and has some knowledge, but, you know, isn't going to be that person if you ever do elevate that sport, I would just tell you to be careful because uh, they're typically great community people and um, you don't need that person on the on the wrong side of you in the community uh, if you can avoid it.
2: Uh, I have uh, one final question. I think we have time for it. Um, And the question is where does this decision or this idea originate? Does it originate in athletics? Does it originate from the university administration? Does it initiate from the board of trustees? And I'm gonna uh, at least tell you in my case, uh, as I mentioned, initially the idea of growing enrollment was a university administration conversation. Uh, I responded that I thought athletics could contribute to that. I will say that over the years, uh, I've either had a trustee or some administrator on campus mention you should do this or you should do that. They didn't mention it in a way like, like demanding that we do it. Um, and I'll say with cheerleading in particular, Um, That was an idea that originated outside of athletics, but uh, we'll go around the horn on this. Aaron, in your case, as you all have added new sports, has that been driven by athletics uh, or outside of the department?
1: Uh, Nothing driven by athletics, Uh, I'll be very honest. Um, Like the initial conversation. Um, When my president and I sat down and met about different opportunities, he'd asked me, hey, if you were going to start a sport, what would you want? And my, my number one was men's volleyball because we had 10 women's sports and eight male sports at the time. So the opportunity to go with a male sport needed to be the next one. And men's volleyball was because we already had all those opportunities. We had the gym, we had the nets, we had the volleyballs. I mean, I know they're different in men's volleyball, but we had almost everything to start that. So that seemed to be the easiest one. Uh, But in my in the last seven years and even the last 10 years at Cornerstone, donor um, donations and a specific donor has been the main driver for our sports. So baseball, if you know anything about Cornerstone baseball, if you Google Cornerstone baseball field, it looks like a minor league baseball stadium, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, It gets a lot of publication out there. And I'm very, um, we're very blessed to have that. That was very donor driven. It was a a relationship with our president that wanted to have his grandson or grandsons have an opportunity to go to Cornerstone to play baseball. We didn't have a baseball program, but we needed a stadium. And that there's what we got out of it. Tennis was the same way. And men's wrestling was the same way on our campus where we have relationships with different people in the community that wanted to see a specific sport and Thankfully, out of that, we've gotten some incredible facilities. Um, Our men's wrestling facility, our wrestling center that will eventually probably grow into a women's wrestling program as well. Um, It's all donor driven. And so we have a brand new wrestling center starting construction here next week. And we're super excited about that. But those were the main drivers for us. Admissions and enrollment, definitely a piece of that, of how could we add 10 to 15 students. But I'm looking at how could we expand our current programs Our truck and field program five years ago only had 55 kids in it. That's an easy program to add 20, 30, 40 kids potentially, depending on our facility structure. Okay, Frank. How
4: about you? Uh, So mine usually came from the administration. I I think more important of where it starts, it's who's there around the table at the end. because if, if everyone that's involved is not there, uh, you're not gonna be successful. Um, my, my other recommendation would be um, that you, that you under promise and over deliver. Um, you, you have to be careful. There, there's gonna be expectations um, and you don't wanna make a bad deal. If it's a bad deal, you need to tell them it's a, it's a bad idea. And that's not easy sometimes, but um, you're the expert uh, on the sports. And so not not every not every good idea um, can work and so uh, if it if it ends up after you've done all your research and you've called up you know other people in in the business and it's not a good idea you need to you need to tell them that otherwise undoing it is very difficult um, and and uh, not good for your student athletes so uh, but but at the end uh, it might start with one person might start with a with a donor but my recommendation is everybody needs to be at the table um, and everyone has to be in agreement as to how this is gonna be done um, or it, it's gonna end up being um, not, a, not a good outcome. I agree. And
2: Ryan, how about your perspective?
3: You know, we've, we've started a number of sports and it seemed like everyone's a little different from student interest to um, an, a, a community member that reached out that needed a job about starting a dance team. Um, and, you know, having those conversations uh, from a donor, uh, from board members, uh, a little bit of, of everything. So, um, and kind of to pig back what, what Fran mentioned there, you know, under promise or deliver, um, the big area I always say when looking at sports is give yourself plenty of time. Don't make a decision in April to start in August to recruit a team of 15, 20. Uh, you can never have too much time. I remember we added men's basketball at DBU, uh, we hired a coach two, uh, two years out, and a lot of people thought we were crazy. Um, but, you know, we had one whole year of recruiting. We brought in a group of five or six that were basically their redshirt year. Uh, they brought in the rest of the team the next year. And so giving yourself plenty of time and, b- and being upfront, honest with uh, the higher-ups or whoever is helping make those decisions on the CFO or whatnot. Um, it is hard to get approval to have an extended amount of time because you have expenses before you have revenue. Uh, You have to hire a coach and have a little bit of recruiting budget before you have students on campus. So um, that is always an area that I always try to focus in on and tell them, look, it's going to take a little bit to build it up. Or if it's track program, we eventually want to get to 60 kids or 70 kids on the team, but um, it may be only 20 or 30 the first year as we we stage it up. So, um, but, you know, we all know we get pressure from all different sides from current students and athletes to parents and donors and uh, presidents. So, uh, trying to, to play all those in and, and play the political game is is always, uh, you know, you got be sure not to step on toes as well.
2: Well, that's part of the job. Um, well, I'm grateful. Uh, what a great panel. Fran and Aaron and Ryan, thank you guys so much for taking the time today to share some of your insights and wisdom. I would encourage those folks uh, who participated, if you have other questions, Uh, These are, these are three guys that know what they're doing. And so I encourage you to reach out to them. Uh, We are planning another virtual uh, presentation in April, or I'm sorry, in March. Uh, And uh, we'll also tell you that we're, we're preliminarily thinking about uh, an in-person Bosco workshop this summer. So uh, I did say thinking, it's not definite at this point, but at least want to want to put that on your schedules for Uh, possibly July 18th through the 20th. Um, Again, thank you to Mammoth Sports Construction and CEI Engineering for their sponsorship. uh, And I hope that you all have a great day and a great week. Thanks for joining us.